Welcome to Quarterly Roundtable from KBNP Financial Partners. This podcast covers the second quarter of 2023. Here are Andy Barlow and Eric Powell. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Powell with KBNP Financial Partners. And this is Andy Barlow, also with KBNP Financial Partners, coming to you today after a second quarter wrap up here. So, um, of course, second quarter had a lot going on here. Um, tax season, right? We got through that. And that's always a fun time of the year to um, have those fun conversations with our accountants and and uh, bookkeepers and things like that. So good to have that behind us for sure. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, tax yes. season is terrible. It's the best, isn't it? Yeah. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Other than that, Eric, anything uh, anything new here in uh, the spring and early summer for you? Yeah, the family. Um, we just plan on going down to, to Norris Lake. Um, you know, we really enjoy it down there. It's a beautiful place. It is. Yeah, get out on the water. And, you know, I, I look up a stat to see um, what the average boat owner spends on their boat, you know, in maintenance per year. So, yeah. So, let's say you bought a boat for 45000 uh, the average owner, uh, they spend about 10% per year in just maintenance costs. Mm. So think about that like a compound like pretty quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, think about that, you know, 10 years. So, you know, you, you own a boat for 10 years and effectively you've doubled your purchase price. And um, as as any good financial advisor would say, the value of boats always go up. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's a little humor in there for you. So, you know, effectively you've got a depreciating asset. Uh, and again, over 10 years, you've effectively reinvested what you did up front into that boat. So, yeah. Um, so hopefully if, uh, if you do own a boat, there's a lot of smiles in between and a, a lot of memories that are made uh, that, you know, perhaps you won't you won't find uh, an offset in a pocketbook. But, um, you know, memories are important. Absolutely. Well, should we uh, jump into, I guess, why we're here, right? But yeah, it's certainly been um, been a very active uh, second quarter for us personally here in the office. And and, and obviously, if you turn on the TV and, and, and look backwards, you'll also see a very busy second quarter for uh, the financial markets and, and the economy. So uh, with that, I think we most often want to start by addressing stocks or equity markets, right? So last year, as we recall, was pretty rough. Uh, markets slid uh, considerably last year and uh, pretty pretty tough year for a stock investor. Uh, luckily, a couple things this year. So one is um, throughout the throughout the end of the second quarter, um, stocks are continuing to, to increase and we're up about 17%, just shy um, this year, which is the second overall best start for the stock market in the past 25 years. So um, it's kind of crazy, you know, you, you go back a little bit and a lot of conversation about recessions and inevitably it seemed like that was the path we were on. Uh, there was a lot of, of selling pressure, a lot of concerned people, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, often when, when um, selling pressure and pessimism is at the highest, that's when uh, the bull market shows up. So, and, and to that end, on June 8th, which happens to be the same day as uh, my wife and I celebrate our anniversary. So, June 8th of this year was actually the start of a, uh, a bull market, a brand new bull market. So, pretty excited about that. Hopefully, good things here in the future for us. Um, with that, you know, as we take another little, little dive into equity prices, stock prices, you know, generally speaking, they, they move through earnings and they move through sentiment or um, what we call multiple, right? So, 
um, really the corporate earnings this year, it's going to be relatively flat as a projection. So we're not necessarily seeing these corporations increase earnings, uh, but really it's more so the sentiment and uh, people are feeling better about buying stocks, which is uh, pushing the market higher. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're also taking a look at the uh, valuations look that, you know, look stretched, um, you know, after the, the market rebound. So at um, the low last year, um, the S&P 500 was at 23.96. That's it was down that far um, again, October of uh, 22. So, you know, just looking at uh, the valuations here. I uh, just want to caution that if uh, earning estimates get lowered, uh, the current PE will look even more stretched. Uh, so the PE ratio is calculated as the current price divided by the earnings uh, per share. So forward PE over the next 12 months is looking at 19.1. Uh, the 25-year average, though, is 16 and a half. Mm. So the valuation analysis, uh, of course, is subjective and typically based on interest rates, uh, earnings growth estimates, and historical or relative uh, values. So real quick, uh, just to clarify, so ideally, lower PEs tend to signal better buying opportunities. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So you know, one thing that we're keeping our eye on here as we continue to manage portfolio and our, our clients' money, again, is, is PE ratios. But as you take a, a real quick dive into the S&P 500, again, which is made up of 500 stocks here in the US, um, the, the top 10 companies, which now accounts for about 32% of the weighting of the S&P. So yeah. what that simply means is, you know, as you put a dollar into, well, let's say $100 into the S&P, $32 of that $100 is gonna go by 10 companies. So pretty high concentration there. Um, with that, those, those top 10 companies are carrying about a 30 PE, which is very expensive. Right. Again, namely, those are our tech companies, uh, NVIDIA, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and the like. So very expensive there. Uh, the next 40 companies are trading at about 18. So a significant discount to the top 10. And if you look at the bottom 100 stocks in the S&P, they're actually trading at around 14 times PE. Right. So um, again, it's we, we've seen this leadership of tech and in, in, in the Magnificent Seven continue. Um, but we're being very cautious as we we approach the second, third, fourth quarters here, if you will, um, that we don't want to become too concentrated in these companies, uh, especially at these valuations. Yeah, just being cautious, you know. And uh, so another um, another highlight here with Treasury yields. So you know, it's something that we've definitely been keeping an eye on is the Treasury yield curve is still inverted. Uh, so what that means is that an um, the short-term yields are higher than the long-term. Uh, and again, that's assuming with the, the same credit rating. So uh, it, this has been, in the past, a reliable indicator of a recession. Not saying we're going into recession, but it's something to keep an eye on because the three-month is about 5.28%, uh, whereas the two-year is 4.9%. Uh, 10 years looking at about 3.84%. Um, so again, the Fed has been influencing one of the shorter-term uh, Treasury yields uh, by setting the target federal funds rate. Um, you know, so that's going to have an impact on on our Treasuries. And really, we've seen a lot of adjustments here in the interest rate sensitive world, or just rates in general. So, and of course, as as you, as you may know, that you know, we've been adjusting these rates, or the Fed has been adjusting these rates with the idea of tampering inflation, right? So uh, luckily, we, we're starting to see inflation head in the right direction. 
um, you know, the, the Fed, they're acknowledging that, you know, overall progress, again, we're heading in the right direction, but they're not necessarily pleased with the pace of disinflation in the services sector. So goods tend to be, um, we, we say, rolling over. The cost of goods are, are starting to um, decelerate, right? The, the, the prices are they're still growing, but at a slower rate. But meanwhile, we are seeing the services sector really pick up from an inflation perspective. So um, as we take a look at the, the last core PCE inflation reading, it's about uh, 4.6%, uh, which is currently still you know, well above, you know, over, over double what the Fed's target rate is of, of 2%. So certainly some, uh, some work to be had here as we look forward. But um, certainly seems like we're heading in the right direction with getting some of these prices stabilized and under control. Yeah, absolutely. And so the United States economy continues to basically meander along and and send mixed signals about uh, its future path. You know, some things that we've discussed in the past is, you know, just consumer spending, you know, Um, a big chunk of the economy there. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's going to have a huge impact. So the real GDP estimates um, for 2023 is 1.3%. Which means the economy is growing, right? Right. Yeah. At a slow uh, pace, but, you know, still growing. Um, So we'll just see, um, you know, what happens here with the resiliency of the labor market uh, that has uh, kept the economy in expansion territory. Um, and the question is, will we fall into a recession? Great question. Only, only time will tell. Right. Certainly, interest rates continue to be a topic of conversation here, right? So uh, we did see in May that uh, the federal funds rate was increased by another 25 basis points, which is equivalent to uh, 0.25%. And, um, and then in June, of course, there was uh, no no rate hike there, so everything remained remained level. So um, again, we're, we're expecting that that the current rate cycle, we, we believe we've we've reached close to what we call a terminal rate, right? Which simply means that we are not forecasting rates continue to increase, and uh, we're likely going to, you know, kind of hang out in in the, the current interest rate environment for the for the time for the time being. So uh, again. The, the biggest thing that, that the Fed's keeping their eye on with, with respect to interest rate policy is just getting this inflation back under under control and down to that 2% or so. Um, and and here's, here's a quote from Fed Chair Powell uh, during the last press conference here, um, stating that, that the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go, and nearly all FOMC participants expect that it'll be appropriate to raise rates somewhat further by the end of the year. Right. So although we think we're pretty close to uh, rates peaking here, uh, you know, clearly Fed Chair Powell has has left some things open here, open ended uh, to give to give the Fed some flexibility as we um, continue to progress through this year. Yeah. And I know the audience is really concerned or maybe curious. And I just want to make a statement. I am not related to Fed Chair Powell. Okay, (laughs) so (laughs) good to clear the air. Yeah, I just wanted to clear clear the air there. Um, so yeah, the FOMC, they've raised the federal rates, um, 25 basis points. Um, that was at their, their May meeting. But um, what I what I find surprising or interesting, I should say, is that since March of 2022, the Fed has increased interest rates by 5%. So um, in a March of 2022, we were at 0.25%. Mm. And you know now, as of May, um, you know, 5.25%. 
which from a percentage change or delta perspective, as we say, right, like that's a huge increase in uh, a very short amount of time. So, and of course, it's just going to take take some time here for the for the markets and the economy to sort this out and and make sense of it. Um, so it's something again we continue to uh, to monitor and uh, we'll continue to adapt as needed as we we move forward here. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So all this really just ties back into you know what does it mean um, for the markets again stock and bond markets and in, in, in specific as it pertains to how we can help our clients here at KBNP Financial Partners. So you know with that of course the you know the magic question is what's our outlook right what, what are we looking at moving forward and um, you know how do we react and how do we position our portfolios given all of these moving parts here within our economy and within the Fed. So with that. Um, you know, we are we we've been we've been happy to be able to participate in the markets this year, right? Uh, in general, assets have gone up in value, um, but with that, we're we're getting a little bit cautious now that the S and P is about you know sitting at four thousand four fifty. Uh, it broke out of a range here recently of you know anywhere between thirty six hundred and forty three hundred. So we've seen kind of a, a sharp run up here. Um, so you know, really, the second half of the year I think is more of a wait and see approach. Uh, we're not necessarily forecasting a, a huge drop in the market, uh, nor are we forecasting this continued robust growth. So, uh, likely some enhanced volatility, but really, again, it's it's just you know it's another um, another point to realize that hey, look, we just have to be patient, um, especially for the longer term investors. You know, I, I often go through this exercise with clients that you know uh, what was your account value worth, um, you know, June thirtieth of two thousand and nine. Uh, let me say that again. That's a bad year to uh, to revisit, right? So June 30th, let's say 2015. And, and you know, a vast majority of clients don't recall. Uh, but of course, when you're in the moment in the heat of it, it, it seems very real and, and very permanent. Whereas, in fact, it's it is temporary. Right. So, uh, again, we're a little cautious as we move forward here. But, you know, in, in general, I think uh, there's it's still certainly a good time to remain invested, uh, remain patient and, um, and and not to make any knee jerk reactions. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of volatility, like you had mentioned. Um, but, you know, in our opinion, that creates buying opportunities, right? Absolutely. You know, so um, just remaining diversified, you know, those uh, great corporate, there are a lot of great corporations out there that figure out ways to make money in, in times like now. So, um, you know, it's just our job to go out there and find those particular corporations. Um, you know, hopefully there's growth, but if not, you know, um, you know, hopefully there's some dividends that are being paid along the way to, to help, you know, reward uh, the risk that investors are taking. But yeah, I, I want to take a second and uh, circle back around. We were talking about interest rates and, you know, monetary policy. Um, so, you know, one thing that we hear a lot about is uh, interest rates uh, for mortgages, you know, home buying, um, you know. Andy, I know you've you've purchased a, a few homes, uh, and so have have I. And it's just it's interesting to see you know our first home, what the interest rate was, uh, you know, compared to what's being offered now. But also, I mean, we talked to clients that they were buying their first home in the '70s and '80s, you know, and what interest rates were like then versus now. Sure, them. they were in the teens, right? Yeah, and I, you know, it seems like anecdotally, you know, you have conversations with friends, family, parents, and you know, they're spending how much on a house? 15, 20 grand. Right. right, which is half of let's say what a new car costs today, right? Yeah. So, 
Uh, we've certainly seen a, that entire landscape of, of, of real estate change, uh, more so residentially, right, for, for sake of this conversation. But, you know, if you go back just a year ago when rates were closer to 3% for a mortgage, and actually here in Springfield, the average home sale price was about 155000 right? Mm-hmm. So if you finance 155000 at 3% interest rate for 30 years, uh, your monthly mortgage payment itself, excluding taxes and insurance, was about 650 bucks. Right? Mm-hmm. Again, that's just one year ago. Uh, today, as we sit with rates closer to 8%, um, housing prices have continued to go up. The average price here in Springfield is about 190000 So effectively, in one year, we've went from 155 to 190 right? Rates have increased from 3% to 8%, so over double. This ends up with a about a $1,400 a month payment, right? Wow. So we've seen just in a matter of one year, due to markets increasing and rates increasing, the average mortgage payment went from 653 to almost $1,400 a month here in Springfield. And that's about a 115% increase. That is crazy. I can't year. believe that. Yeah, just in one year. In one year. So and that's, you know, again, the, 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 the tool um, that the Fed is using to try to hamper and tame the growth is interest rates, right? So they're doing this and, you know, there's some question is, you know, are they being successful? Are they having some success in this or not? Um, you know, again, only time will tell, but, you know, certainly as, as we spend more money on our mortgage, that leaves less discretionary income that could be spent on goods, services, traveling, things like that, which by design is supposed to, to slow down the economy to help tame inflation. So that's really how this works together from a high level perspective. Yeah, and um, I think I saw out there that you know, for home buyers that are looking to put twenty percent down, you know, that's the equivalent of about seventy point three hours of salary. Okay, um, so, so that, you're working nearly two two full weeks, two full weeks for a twenty percent down payment on a home. You know, again, that's just looking at like median, uh, you know, price range and things like that. Sure. So compare that to May of 2020. Um, it took 37.9 hours in May of 2020 to come up with a 20% down payment. Again, just looking at median home prices back in May of 2020. So again, we are nearly double the amount of work hours to come up with a 20% down payment for a home right now. Wow. Yeah, it's just mind blowing, right? I mean, yeah, we, we always hear about purchasing power and how it decreases as, as inflation increases, but man, that's um pretty telling story there. Yeah, pretty powerful. Uh, here's another interesting stat, right? So, uh, if you look across the U.S. Uh, and, and, and in general, as we all know, uh, prices really are a result of supply and demand, right? So, if we look at listings in the real estate market of the past year, um, let's say at at, at its peak uh, back in 2017, 2019, MLS real estate listings was about 1.2 to 1.4 million homes on average on the market, right? Um, we saw listings bottom in February 2022 at 350,000. So it went from about, again, 1.2 to 1.4 million all the way down to 350,000. As we sit here today, there's about 650,000 homes on the market. So certainly seeing uh, listings increase, but we're still down by about 50% from its peak back in 2017 through 2019, right? So again, as all these forces come together with higher rates, higher prices, very limited inventory, um, you know, that's 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 a, a troubling scenario 
for home buyers here today. Yeah, that's a that's a surprising stat there. Um, so you, you have some listings out there, but um, about as half as many as you know there were uh, you know a few years ago. And right, and that you know the one thing that plays a role in this is. You know, again, with rising cost of capital or, or again, mortgage payments going up, you know, people don't want to list their homes right now. Right. There's, you know, you, you go uh, again, you know, somebody that's been in a house for five years, it's paid significantly less than what the market value is today. Um, they're going to trade that right for a home that's perhaps double in, in, in value, which is good to sell. Uh, but again, you're really not accomplishing much by buying at the same level, per se. You're just swapping. And then you're you're you, you know you're getting rid of a two to three percent interest rate potentially on a mortgage only to pay eight. Right? Yeah. So doubling your your mortgage payment. Yeah. Exactly. At least. So not a lot of um, encouragement or reasons out there to list. Um, so you know often a question that Eric and I are are asked is you know should we be buying in these conditions? So Eric, any thoughts on you know current market situation as as we move forward? Um, you know, is there going to be better buying opportunities out there in the future? Or, you know, what, what's the strategy here today? Yeah. And again, we are not saying to not list your real estate. <laughs> we don't need any realtors to come after us and say, hey, don't encourage that behavior. Um, no, I, I still think that there are buying opportunities out there with real estate. You know, you can still purchase the advantage of, um, you know, purchasing now is down the road. You can always refinance. You know, when rates come down, uh, again, just don't you know, stretch your uh, your budget. You know, to go out and buy this house um, with the hopes that hey, I can refinance down the road, and uh, here we are. You know, with a lower payment, and you know, now you're you're at the top end of the payment. You know, that that certainly doesn't make sense. You definitely don't want to uh, get into that situation. But again. Um, opportunities are out there but yeah keep in mind that uh, hopefully down the road you can uh, refinance and be able to to lower your your mortgage yeah exactly and maybe a couple quick things to add to that um, first of which would be again there, there's certainly some ratios out there right as we look at uh, financial planning metrics and ratios um, if you want to seek out some of uh, you know some of our advice some of our recommendations feel free to contact us about that uh, again just to make sure that you're not stretching your budget as, as you go to uh, to buy a home right because a home should be a blessing exactly it shouldn't be something that um, you regret doing or puts you in a in a bind financially it, it should be good now and, and good later um, the second thing is all right, so I think there's also an argument of, again, if rates do come down, which as you look out in the future, um, you know, I, I think the consensus is rates have, again, peaked, if not, you know, close to peaking, and we should start seeing rates come down here within the next couple of years. So I think there's potentially an argument that when rates do start falling again, people start listing their homes, right? Prices go up. Prices then, again, may perhaps go up, right? Yeah. Now we have, you know, more activity, more houses in the market, more buyers in the market. Um, so just because they're high today, it doesn't necessarily mean to, as Eric referenced earlier, to not buy or not sell, uh, because again, we could see another wave of, of higher prices in the future as rates go down and the housing market becomes more active. Yeah, uh, getting back into the situation of uh, offer offering over asking, <laughs> you know, and the bidding wars and, and zoo out there and things like that. So you know. Maybe now is the time to, to avoid those situations. Well, I think um, I think that's pretty much uh, a wrap for today's conversation. Really appreciate everybody listening in, and um, thanks for joining. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. Please remember to follow and subscribe to this podcast to receive our new content when it's released. If you would like to speak with any of our financial advisors, please give us a call at 937-390-8750 or look us up on the web at yourfinancialteam.com.